back here on Sports 1140 KHDK. Jason Ross here with you. One final hour for today. Capital Casino is back with indoor gaming and dining located inside at 411 North 16th Street in downtown Sacramento. Thanks again. Last hour checking in with Lincoln Kennedy, his weekly visit. Now another check in with Chris Landry. He always joins us each and every Wednesday. LandryFootball.com. Let's welcome in Chris. Chris, how are you? Jason, doing well. Good to be with you. Well, appreciate uh, you. Uh, our conversations every Wednesday start kind of on the heavy side here with the situation with starting with the Washington football team that has now uncovered all this nastiness with John Gruden in the, you know, the story by now. Obviously, he's lost his job, but just uh, I feel like there's way more to this story. We're getting the, the sliver here on Gruden and it's really incriminating. Uh, how much more do you think there is uh, e- either with Washington or other owners or or other stuff that's kind of not being talked about right now? Well, my sense is it's probably a lot. There's no way to know for sure how much. Um, I agree with you. It you know it when you're you're talking about an investigation and you have the uncovering of that many emails. I, I do find it interesting that to this point, and I will say to this point. We've not heard anything from what the owner was involved in doing or saying, and you wonder if that's going to come to light. You would think maybe investigative reporting will bring some of it to light, but let's just be honest, and uh, certainly it was horrendous and horrific what we heard, but the I think we can all agree on that. What is interesting to me is that this was purposely leaked to the media yeah. by the league office. Yet, you know, to this point, um, either everyone is just, you know, lily white and clean or Mm -hmm. they're keeping the other stuff covered up. So it it makes me wonder, um, and it almost sounds like, hey, you know, and John, look, John Gruden has gotten what he deserves. He's basically lost his career because of, 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 uh, but you wonder, you know, if the fact that he attacked certain people in the league office, they said, uh, we'll show you. And we'll, we'll, we'll link this, you know, to the people, and it obviously blew up. So it's, it was certainly um, – like, I've known John for a while. Um, I can't sit there and tell you that I'm overly surprised. Uh, I've been in his presence when he tends to be very um, – I don't, I don't, you know, inappropriate with a lot of comments that he's made. I I did not know, of course, and did not expect that he would be so foolish, so dumb as to put it in emails. But in essence, it's, you know, uh, clearly what he's about and what he's been about. And, um, you know, I, I did a podcast today on just the very thing of we're dealing in a different era. If you've got opinions and they're controversial opinions, and you're going to be a leader of an organization, uh, head coach in the NFL, major college football, you better keep those controversial opinions to yourself because we're in a day and age where it's not going to fly. You're not going to be able to lead the very people that you have to lead if you are essentially attacking their race, gender, you know – you know, th- those those things are just not going – I'm not saying he's the only one. In fact, I'd say that he's not. I right. think there is. But you know, he certainly fooled a lot of people. Um, a lot of people knew him that wasn't overly surprised. But, but yet, 
you know, what you know and what comes to light are often different things. And it does make you wonder, just as you started this with it, is what else is out there? Right. How many people are really concerned? How many people have gone to their IT person and say, I the heck can we delete everything? Because you, you, you wonder how much could be trappings for other problems for other people in the league. Yeah, and as far as the Raiders go, we talked with Lincoln Kennedy last hour and former Raider and current analyst. I mean, the the games go on. That's the reality of it, whether Gruden was fired for for cause or for bad performance or whatever the case may be. How do you think the Raiders make sure this isn't like snowball out of control in a lost season? Because there's a lot of football left. I think we'd be naive to think that it didn't have some effect last week. Now, we knew this happened this started to leak out on friday but it really blew up on monday when we knew that it wasn't just one singular email and just one stupid comment which we can all be you know victim of trying to do something and say something and it comes out wrong you say try to be funny it's just a stupid comment and it's not who you are then it became clear apparently the distraction may have been a part of their preparation last week or lack thereof or lack of focus it's going to be incumbent upon Rich Passaccia to get them to look forward and say, look, we have to move on. We have to, you know, we all have jobs to do, and everybody's got a paycheck here and every player, every every coach. And so it's what you have to do. But it is, it's going to be certainly difficult. And I don't know how they're going to react. I mean, there, there's, you know, I think Rich is, I know he didn't want it this way, but he right. has been looking for an opportunity in coaching for for being a head coach for some time. This is a tough this is a tough way to get it, and this is it's a tough it's a tough challenge you had to try to rally this team. But you know, there's there's certainly some pieces together, and I'm very curious to see what they do. But it, we all know that that once this came out, it couldn't happen. I mean, you 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 look at all the players that backed him and didn't didn't see that side of John and. You know, there's no way this was unavoidable once it came out because there's no way that team um, could could have the faith in him as the head coach anymore. Yeah. So um, I think in and of itself, once you get past that, now it's about moving on, and that's that's the challenge right now. <clears throat> yeah, and every as, as we're talking with Chris Landry, LandryFootball.com, everywhere I've seen, and this is just uh, people writing about projected next head coaches for the Raiders, these five names, watch out for these candidates. I don't see uh, Basachi on there a lot, but what I, makes me wonder, Chris, is uh, not that he should be carefree. But there, there could be an argument like, let's just, hey, let's stay the course. Let's be stable. we got our coordinators. We've all been put in the work already. Let's just play our season. We've got a good enough team to win games. Is there a chance that maybe he's like, you know what, I'm going to be riskier. I'm, I'm going to be the coach that, that goes for more fourth downs or goes for two-point conversions or is a little riskier because, hey, if I if I really shine, maybe this is my job going forward. Well, you know, perhaps, but just overall the job that he does, keeping the team together, together riding the ship, making good decisions, you know, maybe it's risky at sometimes. Maybe at other times it's just being downright smart and maybe that's being conservative on a spot here or there. Here's the one thing he's got, and this is the way I would tell Rich, and I've known him for a long time, and I've, I've shared a text with him, but I, you know, I haven't been able to speak with him. Look, uh, let's be realistic. Your chances of getting the head coaching job of the Raiders is better today than it would have been mm. if you didn't get the interim job. Meaning, yeah. you know, here's an opportunity to be an interim coach. There have been interim coaches that have gone on to have success and have earned 
the long-term deal. Now, am I projecting that's going to happen? I, I'm not projecting either or or not. But he's got he's got a chance that heretofore he has not gotten and maybe have never gotten because we've had a lot of those guys that just never quite get that opportunity. Unfortunate as it may be, he now has the opportunity to be a head coach. And he has an on-the-job opportunity to prove himself um, where others are not in that position. So, look, go for it. Absolutely. We're talking with Chris Landry, LandryFootball.com. Uh, great week five as far as drama. I mean, we had kicking issues all over the place that led to great outcomes. Uh, I thought week five uh, was one of the more entertaining weeks of football that we've had so far. It really was. I mean, we had, you know, obviously the starting out on Thursday night with, you know, Seattle and, of course, to losing uh, Russell Wilson to an injury was significant and an important game in the division we talked about last week. But, you know, uh, the, the the Bears beating the Raiders were kind of a big sort of what about the Browns and the Chargers? And yes. it became no defense could stop the other and no time to adjust. And it was really interesting. Uh, the Arizona-San Francisco game, uh, was uh, was an intriguing in its own right. Then, then Buffalo clearly making a statement against Kansas City, and Kansas City now, um, you know, looking up and got a lot of work to do, and looks like, you know, they'll be playing on the road in the playoffs unless there's a lot of collapse ahead. So um, a lot of storylines. That's just the start of it. New England struggling with Houston but getting it done. Just, just, you know, Philadelphia pulling one out against a injury you know, laden Carolina team, but just an interesting week. Pittsburgh coming back to life. Uh, Detroit, God bless them. Can't, oh. can't uh, quite get it done. <laughs> can't finish. And they're getting the field goal kickers, um, you know, beating them at the end. Yeah. It, it's real interesting as we kind of get to that quarter pole or a little bit more of yeah. in week five, we start to get a little bit of a feel for where teams are, where teams are not. And the teams that have dug themselves a hole and, you know, Dallas is moving on and apparently crowing about it. Uh, a, a lot that, that uh, is, is to be written in the days and weeks to come, but we kind of know where things have led to the beginning and yet some interesting games this week that's going to tell us even more. Yeah, uh, you know, back to that Arizona-San Francisco game. I know you see all these games. You look at the film. You look at what you see. Uh, great Trey Lance. I mean, first start, so that's that's already tough. On the road against an undefeated team, I saw moments, but, man, I could not believe the amount of rushing attempts by design. Now, some were scrambles. Um, obviously, Kyle Shanahan felt that was the best opportunity for him to succeed. But what did you see in Trey Lance's uh, first career start? Well, look, I, they're going to have to incorporate him into the run game because at this point, that's what he could handle. So what I saw was what I expected to see. Look, he's not ready to start and run the entire passing game. That's that's not what he's capable of doing at this point. So they're going to move the pocket. They're going to give him some run pass options. That's that's kind of where they are with him. And now we'll see where things are with um, with Jimmy G and getting him back. But the reality is, this is a team that's still a potentially good team. That's going to be um, limited in terms of their passing game acumen with Trey Lance. So it is going to be a little bit of a spoon feeding, a little bit of a, you got to put a little bit more and more in their plate as he's able to earn it and, and show that, that he can do it. But this is also why they kind of wanted to have Garoppolo that, that they can work with and give more and more practice reps and packages with Trey Lance. But because they've had to force him in, 
let people say, oh, let them go, let them play. Well, you, you do that, and then you give yourself no chance to win. you got to work the running game, which is a focal part of what they want to do anyway. They're going to incorporate him as a big part of it. I think they'll give him some you know, more RPO stuff, which, by the way, is not something he's done a lot of, but something he can be really good at. It can fit his skill set. So I think that's where they're going to go. And how much passing that they'll do with him will depend upon how he progresses in terms of being able to identify coverages quickly. Um, you know, and, and, and I think one of the things you can do is do a lot of half-field reads with him to simplify things that will create some opportunities for him. Um, but I, I'm curious to see. They, they're encouraged that Jimmy G can be, um, you know, as they get the bye week, get into yeah. the bye week, that he's making some progress that maybe we'll see where he is. Um, starting week uh, week seven, but you certainly see the flashes. I, I can see where he, yeah. once he's fully comprehended this Kyle Shanahan offense, I, I can see what they like in him. The arms there, the athletic ability, the movement. I, I think he's going to be pretty good. Yeah, look, I think I think they see in their eyes, you know, and I'm not making the same comparison, but the things that Seattle can do with Russell Wilson, the the things that mobile, you know, Kyler Murray, just yeah. in their own division. Now, he's different. He's a little different built, but it can do some of the same dual threat functionality that can allow this offense to do something in terms of big playability. But in order to make – before you make big plays, you've got to make the routine play. You've got to make the right decisions, and, and he's just not there yet. Not, not for any other reason that it takes time and experience. And this is not, you know, where you're going to sit there and, you know, they're trying to win. They're trying to be competitive this year, but – they're going to have to work work him a little bit quicker, in, but still work him at a pace to where you can kind of build the gradual build where you don't have to go back and tear the negative, you know, bad habits out. So, yeah, I do. I agree with you. I, I see I see what they see in him. I have all along. Um, they're just going to have to build at it at, a, at, a, at a, maybe a different pace now. Chris, what's the biggest reason we're seeing the Chiefs at two and three? You know, there's a couple of things. Um, the main thing I would say offensively is that they're a little bit out of rhythm. People are forcing them, basically limiting the big plays. We're not going to let you go downfield. We're going to line up. We're going to play deep cover two shell. And, you know, it's not just what you play, but how you play it. Look, we're going to make you go the distance. And we think we can force you into turnovers and, you know, and then, some good defenses and good teams have played it and played it pretty well. So the, limiting the explosive plays, because that's what they can do. They can just explode on you and score 21 points before you realize what's going on. That's what they've done, and this is not a patient offense. They're also not built well enough at this point. A couple of weeks ago, they did. They're not staying committed to the running game enough to get people out of those looks. And look, I, I, I kind of went on the look. This is a Absolute must win, kind of must win for them last week against Buffalo, home field advantage and all that. But the bottom line is Buffalo's better right now and maybe better for the rest of the year. So we shall see how it plays out. Still think it's a good team. Mm -hmm. By the way, there's not seven playoff caliber teams in the AFC right now, Mm -hmm. but we'll see how that plays out. Um, But they may have to do it on the road. But that's what I'm seeing with them. Look, I see the Chargers and I see the Bills as two teams that are just playing better right now. but I don't give up hope for the Chiefs that I still think you can see gradual improvement. I see holes on defense, 
That's the other part of it that's been a problem, and people have been able to attack. Some of it's injuries. They didn't have Chris Jones. Part of big part of it, but I just think that they're not able to control the game with the run game, with the power run when they need to, and they're too reliant on the explosive plays and taking chances, and that's create, creating some impatience and some turnovers, some mistakes, and some good teams have just you know taken advantage of it. And you know Baltimore, uh, who they've lost to the Chargers, Baltimore, Buffalo. I just said there are not many playoff teams in the SC. Those are three of them. Right. Yeah, and two play this week, Chargers-Ravens. I, I mean, I love that Chargers-Brown game. The one thing I was wrong about that, I thought there would be a low-scoring game. We just had a wild shootout in the fourth quarter, but that gives us to Chargers-Ravens this week. And after what the Ravens did Monday night, I, I think that, that game this Sunday will be great. Yeah, the Ravens were outplayed for the majority of the game, came back, and I, I think the confidence in that is, look, we can come back. Now, coming back against the Colts and maybe coming back against a – Playoff caliber team is two different things, but that's still building some confidence. Very curious here as I like the way this Charger team is playing, uh, but going on the road here, West Coast, East Coast, you know, starting pretty early, uh, body clock time, you know, 10 o'clock in the morning, body clock time for them. And this is a Raven team that, that still wants to run the football, even though they've had the injuries at running back and, of course, the quarterback in the run game. So you've got to be able to defend an extra gap in the run game. And you've got to be really careful that uh, – you know, I didn't. I thought last week that the, that the Chargers struggled defensively because they just a you know the 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 Browns were running the football, running it effectively, and then it became a shootout. and And it may be a little bit uh, of a challenge to win a game like this back to back in the same fashion. So I think this will tell us a lot. You know, maybe maybe what type of medal that the Chargers have going on the road, winning on the East Coast against Baltimore may tell us a lot about where they stack up and. Because um, right now they look like they look like a team that's that's right there with the Bills that's just really good and quarterbacks playing hot. They've got a lot of similarities uh, built into both of those teams. Talking with Chris Landry, we visit with him every Wednesday. LandryFootball.com. Going into last week in college football, we were talking about those those great matchups: Oklahoma, Texas, wild game. Uh, we had uh, Penn State, Iowa, and then of course Alabama going down. We were talking a week ago, Chris, that it sure seemed like Georgia, Alabama, are the two best teams. Who are the others? I, I don't really change my opinion on Alabama. Have you, even with that loss? I still think they're going to be dangerous. I still think they're going to be very good. Uh, I wouldn't count them out. Count them out on your own peril. But I do see some things. We saw it a little bit against Florida in a win, and we saw it against A&M, where they're not quite – look, it's Alabama, right? So when you – you know, for the Alabama fans, um, and I do a show like this in Alabama, you know, when we drill down into that – it's not as good as last year's team. So when you start to compare Mm. championship-level team versus championship-level team versus another team, well, it's like, well, you're not going to be the same every year. It's not quite as good yet. I see some deficiencies that tackle in pass protection. And I I think there's some lapses on defense. I still think they run the table in the regular season. Uh, They'll get a different challenge against Mississippi State this week. But I think they, they went out and then they get to the conference championship game. I think they're going to play Georgia. Right now, Georgia looks better. We're just going to have to see how much better Alabama gets because they're now going to have to beat Georgia. Well, they're going to have to win against Georgia in the SEC championship game to make the playoffs and then likely have to beat Georgia again if Georgia wins out uh, in the playoffs. So they'll have to earn it. They've taken the path that's not the path of least resistance but the most resistance, but – 
I'm with you. They're still really good. I, they don't. They shouldn't be. If you're going to just rank it off of accomplishment, well, they lost. They lost to a non-ranked team in A&M. So I don't care where you rank them. It doesn't matter. But I'm with you. If I were going to put them up against the teams in the top five, uh, give me Alabama in a head-to-head matchup over a number of those teams, I, I think. Yeah, this week, uh, I guess on paper, a number 11 Kentucky against number one Georgia. I just – uh, the, the odds makers are saying it's a, what a 23 point spread that's crazy for a one versus 11 i think that tells you how people think about georgia's defense and how good they are yeah they, they're really good and this kentucky offense is not real explosive can kentucky shorten the game a little bit they're a really good line of scrimmage team they're good defense um you know it's gonna be tough to run the football and you know i think Wondell robinson the transfer from nebraska that's that's such an explosive playmaker is gonna have to make some plays for kentucky i do think that they're how Kentucky plays their their defensive ends on defense that um you know kind of in a four eye technique to to really prevent the A and B gap runs. If they're gonna have to do that very well, can they do it for four quarters? Auburn had, believe it or not, a little bit of success against Georgia against Georgia's run for a little while. But eventually Georgia wears them down and I think Kentucky's better than Auburn, but I, I don't see Kentucky really having a great shot here. Of course I didn't give NM much of a shot against Alabama. So there's uh, last week at this time. So uh, there's always that possibility that this Georgia team is playing awfully well. I just don't think Kentucky has the offense um, to pull this out. But what else? And, and, and I think there's so much pressure on Georgia in such a high expectation. I'm not saying that Kentucky is not going to, you know, they certainly want to win it, uh, of course. But, you know, this Kentucky team could go. 11 and 1, maybe worse 10 and 2, and probably playing something like the Sugar Bowl. Mm. How big is that for Kentucky football? Whereas Georgia, it's national championship, or they're going to just go apoplectic in Athens (laughs) because they think it's their year. And so the expectation level, I think the only way Kentucky can pull it out is if Georgia helps the cause. They turn the football over, give Kentucky some cheap points, cheap field position. I think that's the only way, personally. Yeah, a lot of stuff still to shake out here in the uh, close. Well, about halfway through college football, just getting started here with about the quarter pole of the NFL season. Uh, Chris Landry, LandryFootball.com, tons of good stuff. You referenced the podcast. You got articles. You got stuff all over the place there. Uh, how can everybody get all those goods at LandryFootball.com? Check it out. Very simple. Just go there. A bunch of free stuff. You can listen to our podcast, learn about what we do, the film room breakdowns, everything behind the paywalls. Very, very affordable. It's less than $10 a month. It's cheaper than that on a year membership. And it basically, it's like get, getting your own coaching and scouting department for less than a magazine subscription. The pro game, the college game, we got it all for you. Uh, news and notes, what's going on at practices, behind the scenes all of that, but then the film breakdowns. How did the – what happened, why it happened in last week's games, we get that on Monday and Tuesday for you. And then, you know, on Thursday and Friday, we get – starting on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, we get the previews of the games this upcoming weekend, college and NFL, all of them. We've got them all for you. So check it out at LandryFootball.com. If you like football, you're going to love LandryFootball.com. We do it all year round, draft, recruiting, you name it. But right now in the heart of the season – it's a lot about breaking down these games for you to get you a better view and insight into what's going on and why. Amazing stuff. Great content there. LandryFootball.com. We look forward to it every Wednesday. Check in with you, Chris. Uh, have a good week. Enjoy the games, and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate you. Take care. You got it. Thank you. That's Chris Landry. LandryFootball.com, again, is where you need to go to get all that incredible information. Um, 
whatever your team, whatever your league, game breakdown, film review, it's all there. Uh, incredible content. All right. We have uh, heard from our guest today. When we come back, your chance to win Sacramento Kings tickets for that home opening game. Uh, we want to see you out there at Golden One Center. Your chance to win a pair of tickets to see the Kings open up their home season on next Friday against the Jazz. That's October 22nd. For tickets and more information, visit cagedk.com. Get online now. Uh, 1-800-920-1140. 1-800-920-1140. We'll have our Kings trivia question when we come back and much more to get to in our final half hour of the show right here on Sports 1140 KHDK. KHTK. Thanks again to Chris Landry, Lincoln Kennedy for joining us throughout the show. At the end of every show, we'll put that up on KHTK.com, your chance to listen back in case you missed anything on our podcast each and every day. Uh, we're doing two giveaways today for the Sacramento Kings. We gave one earlier on our YouTube to our YouTube audience. Uh, interesting question there that kept tripping people up. The question on YouTube, the one that's already been answered, was the Sacramento Kings currently on their current roster have six players that have made an all-rookie team. And here's the correct answer. Buddy Heald, Harrison Barnes, Terrence Davis, Tyrese Halliburton, Tristan Thompson, and Marvin Bagley. What everybody was tripping up on was De'Aaron Fox. He did not make the all-rookie team, believe it or not. And he's the Kings' best player right now. Uh, And a lot of people thought, oh, Marvin? Yeah, Marvin made it. First team, all-rookie. Um but that was the list. So that was oh, for our YouTubers. But we got a question for those of you uh, dialing us up right now at 1-800-920-1140, 1-800-920-1140 to see the Kings and the Jazz in the home opener next Friday here. Uh, let's see. Jack will be first. Hey, Jack, how are you? Uh, good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Good to hear from you. Thanks for listening. Um, here's your question. The 2018-2019 season was the last time the Kings opened up at home against the Utah Jazz. So just, what, three seasons ago. Who was the Kings' leading scorer that night? Mm. On the season opener. I'm going to, I'm just going to say Buddy Heald. Buddy Heald. Excellent guess. Excellent guess. Incorrect, though, Jack. Sorry about that. Jason, who was the Kings' leading scorer on opening night of 2018-19 when they took on the Utah Jazz? Um, Buddy Heald. Second guess for Buddy Heald, incorrect. Let's try Matt. Matt, what is your answer to the Kings' leading score on the opening night in 2018-19 season when they opened up against the Jazz? Uh, I'm going to flame out on Fox. Fox. Fox, uh, second leading score that night. How about Josh? Josh, you get the next crack at it. Uh Hey, love the show. Thank um, you. You know, I, I remember that show, that game. That was, uh, of all people, Willie Cauley-Stein. Willie Cauley-Stein. Yes. How did you remember that? I, I remember that game. That was a surprise to me, too. Okay. Well, congratulations, Josh. Hang on. He earned those tickets. He did. He did. Willie Cauley-Stein pull right there. Wasn't that long ago, but uh, he was the uh, winner. Josh, congratulations. You are a winner. You will go see the Kings and Jazz on opening home opening night. Uh, I was looking at that today. The That was just three years ago. Man, the starting lineup that night for the Kings, Willie Cauley-Stein had 23. Uh, Nemanja Bialica 
18. Buddy Heald had 19. De'Aaron Fox had 21. The fifth starter that day was Yogi. Yogi Farrell. Man. Off the bench that day, Frank Mason, Harry Giles, Marvin Bagley, Iman Shumpert, and Justin Jackson. Scal didn't play. Wenyan Gabriel didn't play. Ben McLemore did not play. Kings lost the game 123-117 to the Jazz that day. Let's see what Utah had in store for the Kings. It looks like a familiar lineup. Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell, Joe Ingles. And there's a couple differences there. Derek Favors, Ricky Rubio. Off the bench, they played Alec Burks, Royce O'Neal, George Niang, Jay Crowder, Dante Exum. Anyway, yep, correct answer. Good work, Josh. You got that one right. All right, a couple other things from the NBA, kind of some stuff we've been talking about, um, about other league issues, right? The Philadelphia 76ers, Ben Simmons, who's there, who's back. Um, Joel Embiid, who was very critical of his former All-Star and teammate, uh, still, I guess, current teammate, talking about the return of Ben Simmons. He's good for the organization. Uh, you know, that's something that, you know, everybody wanted. Uh, you know, I've always said that, uh, you know, I believe uh, that it gives us the best, you know, chance to win. We are a better team, you know, with him than without, uh, you know, that's for sure. So I'm happy that, you know, things are resolved and, you know, we can move on and, All right, that's uh, some comments there from Joel Embiid. Um, Here's more from the all-star big man. I'll focus on, you know, whatever we have here, whatever we've been building, Uh, you know, know, guys, you know, that come in, you know, there's going to be adjustments and stuff. Uh, But, you know, everybody has to buy, you know, because if, you know, one or two, people don't buy and then, you know, you have no chance. So we just need to buy and believe that uh, we have a chance to win, uh, which, you know, I believe with the group that we have. And, you know, obviously him being back, uh, believe that, you know, we have a chance to win. Well, they're good. I and mean, they have a good team and they should feel good about what they have with or without Ben Simmons. I think if he can be right, I, I just don't, you know, there was even more reports today about several teams, including the Kings still in talks or potential talks, or at least, uh, rumored to be talking to Philly about Ben Simmons. I, I don't know where that's going to go. It's got to be the right deal for both sides or even a third team. Um, but here's Joel Embiid. One more thought. I mean, he's right about it. they all have to have the same buy-in. I just don't know if they can patch that up with, with Ben Simmons. Here's Embiid talking about uh, his relationship uh, with Ben Simmons. I haven't talked to him you know, since the season ended. Obviously, I tried, um, but uh, he wasn't successful as you know a lot of my teammates have. Like I said, it's unfortunate the whole situation happened. But like I said, we are better team with them on the floor. So I think there's going to be some adjustments. But uh, it doesn't need to be awkward. I mean, we are professionals. You know, we want to win. You know, I want to win. Uh, so, you know, it gives me the, be- the best chance to win. So that's what I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with. And, you know, I feel like the tone from what's coming out of Philly is already different, what they were saying about him before to what they're saying now, because there is a chance that he could still be a teammate. So, you know, it's kind of almost like a code. You got to clean it up, at least publicly, maybe behind closed doors. There's different things that are being said, much like what we talked about in First Things First today with Kyrie Irving. And now some of his teammates, what are they saying now that the Nets have made their stance, kind of their ultimatum saying, yeah, you could be a part of this team, but only when you're eligible. 
and he's going to be eligible if he takes the vaccine. And at this point, that hasn't happened. So today, James Harden talked about playing without Kyrie, said he respects his beliefs, but we have a job to do. He's right. They have to go on. Let's get more on that situation. Um, This is from Sean Marks talking about Kyrie. I don't know that I want to address the hypotheticals of what may happen in the future here. You know, I think this, this is pretty raw, pretty fresh. I think we've got to let the dust settle. Um, the hope is that we we have Kyrie back. You know, we'll welcome him back in, in open arms under a, a different set of circumstances. Our goals have not changed. You know, the goals, uh, you know, ultimately still uh, are to be the last team standing. And that's where we're going to be. And without a doubt, losing a player of, of Kyrie's caliber hurts from a talent perspective, no question. I'm, I'm not going to deny that. But at the end of the day, we our focus, our coaches' focus, the organization's focus needs to be on those players that are going to be involved here and, and participating uh, fully. Yeah, you got to go with the lineup that's there, that's available, right? We always talk about this. It really isn't any different than if a player had a season-ending injury. You go forward. You have to. Now, ideally, they get him back because he's not hurt, and that's a situation where he can play if he does that. So Sean marks a little bit more on uh, on what they're doing. Losing a player of, of Kyrie's caliber hurts from a talent perspective no question i'm, I'm not going to deny that but at the end of the day we our focus our coaches focus the organization's focus needs to be on those players that are going to be involved here and, and participating uh fully all right then one more kind of where um the decision was made on the stance that the nets had made and, and had made public too to Kyrie that look again you're welcome we, we'll, we'll welcome you back 100 percent, but it's got to fit under the guidelines that we are set with and setting with you Here's Sean Marks. This is a decision that ultimately Joe Sy and myself made. We, as always, involve a lot of people in this, but this decision came down to the two of us, and uh, it's what's best for the organization at this point in time. So the Nets will enter the season, at least as of now, without Kyrie Irving. And going into the year, they were the heavy favorites by the odds makers based on the talent that they had, but based on Kyrie Irving being a part of it. And I think they can win a ton of games without him, a ton of games. But if you start to look at the East, certainly if Philly is able to sort things out with Ben Simmons, they will be a team to watch. Milwaukee, oh, by the way, is the defending champs. I think Miami's still a good basketball team. Boston, up and down a little bit. I mean, I don't think the, you know, the last year or two I think the top of the east was there were some legitimate title type of teams it's usually been one or two teams out of there there was a few more really good teams in the east that proved uh to to show a challenge I mean look at the last couple years we've seen Toronto in there we've seen um Miami in the finals against the Lakers we've seen last year obviously Milwaukee making it there I still think people think talent wise if they're right Brooklyn has the most but Milwaukee's still really, really good. And I think Miami, excuse me, I think Brooklyn needs to be whole. They need to have all their pieces to to win that Eastern Conference. In the West, um, there's a few teams that I still feel like have been on that fringe. And that's Denver and Utah that have been really good the last couple of years, but haven't had to been able to break through for the biggest wins. Um, but we'll see if they're able to do that this year. All right, still to come, we've got our final segment. We have the crossover to get to. Also, some more reaction to John Gruden around the league, including some really good audio uh, coming um, from the Chargers from Coach Staley. We'll let you hear that. 
and more as we continue right here on Sports 1140 KHDK. Thanks again to Lincoln Kennedy. Chris Landry joining us today on the show. Back tomorrow at 3 o'clock. We'll be out at the arena for the Kings' final preseason game. And, of course, it'll be game five. Dodgers, Giants, looking so forward to that. Uh, we'll have a lot on that tomorrow. Um, it just uh, going to be absolutely great. We'll have another opportunity tomorrow as well for you to win tickets to WWE and to the Kings' opener, uh, home opener next week. Uh, So still a little bit more to get to here. We will have the crossover coming up from the morning show in just a few moments. We were talking about as we went to break in a lot of the show, whether it was with Chris Landry or Lincoln Kennedy, about uh, John Gruden. And obviously that's been a a huge story this week. The Raiders will go on. The show will go on. The team will go on. The organization will go on. Uh, John Gruden won't. like that. His his coaching career, I just don't see how he recovers from that. And that's not really even the point of – what a lot of people are saying, we're just we're trying to make uh, the world a better place, trying to treat people in a way that um, there's really not many differences in people, equality, inclusion, um, just being a good person. There's a lot to that, and especially when you're in a position of power and a position of leadership and influence, you certainly want to look for that in in leaders these days. And here's a. Uh, Chargers head coach, still new to this, but a lot of people have been praising him. I've been talking about him and just his his concepts, his scheme, his boldness in going for fourth downs, no matter where they are on the field, aggressive nature. I think it's worked very well for them, and I think the team has bought into him. But he uh, was asked about the John Gruden situation, and I think uh, had some pretty good things to say today. Yeah, um, you know, I think, I think this is what I think about it. Um, you know, I think that Respect and trust in this world are, are really, really difficult to achieve. And I think about all the people that were affected by those emails, um, whether you're a person of color, whether you're a person, uh, you know, a gender, um, your sexual orientation, the people that were affected by those emails, that's who I'm thinking about, you know, because it's a sacred mantle for someone to call you coach or someone to call you a leader. Um, and trust is really, really hard to achieve in this world. It's really, really challenging to achieve, and especially with people with those groups that I just mentioned, all right? And people are really guarded, all right, and they're skeptical uh, of people because of emails like that. And I just think that, you know, kindness and lifting people up and respecting people you don't know, um, I just think that, you know, that's such a big part of our thing here is listening to people and learning about people because I think what you'll discover is that we have so much more in common than not. And I think that, um, you know, for someone like me, you know, it's just incumbent upon you to set the example every single day so that people um, that were, you know, talked about in those emails, that they don't need to feel that way. They shouldn't feel that way. And it's, you know, hopefully, you know, all of us can learn from this that it's about bringing people together for me uh, so that people can become, you know, the people that they dream about. And I think that, um, you know, for me, you know, leading this football team and being someone, hopefully we can, you know, be a light for those people in those emails that not everybody's like that, 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 that there's far more people that will love you than the opposite. And hopefully um, this will be a, a chance for everybody to come together instead of go apart. Well, I think there's too much of that in this world, right? We've, 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 we are feel like a nation divided on, on a lot of different things, but I think that was really 
really well said, really uh, um, accurate in a lot of things. And I, I, for as much as I've been trying to talk about where I feel like, again, I understand and believe and think everything that happened to John Gruden should have happened that way, the way it did. But I feel like there's more out there, and I think there's more that's being covered up. I think there's more that's being protected, and why? But that also doesn't mean there's a line here because it's not just John Gruden. I know there's a lot more people of power and in position uh, that have acted this way, continue to act this way. But not everybody does. That's important to know, too. And I think that's what Coach Daly's trying to say. Um, you, you need to identify those that have been like that. And for so many people that have been treated unfairly and thought unfairly, uh, thought of unfairly, um, should never be marginalized. And it's tough for them to feel like, hey, who can I trust? Because maybe I did trust John Gruden. Maybe I did think he was different. And then I learn he's not. He's not. He has said this. Lincoln Kennedy shared it. I mean, that's how, what of a contradiction for him. He's like, I thought I knew him. I, I knew him in this way. Not, not the way that's being mentioned in the emails. Doesn't mean he didn't do that because he did. That, that's got to be tough. So if you can be consistent in who you are and where it's universally known and how you lead and how you're not only perceived, but that becomes the reality of, of the consistency of, yeah, no, this is who this person is as a leader of this team, of this company, of this organization, of this um, group, band, whatever it is. Um, I just hope we can take some of those words that Brandon Staley said today and, uh, and heed them. Uh, one other note, certainly do not want to pass this on. Just got this text. Chris sent this to me. Uh, the Oakland A's are heartbroken to learn of the passing of Ray Fossey. Few people epitomize what it means to be an athletic more than Ray. He was the type of franchise icon who always made sure every player, coach, colleague, and fan knew that they were part of the Oakland A's family. We send our deepest condolences to Carol, Nikki, and Lindsay, his family and friends, during this difficult time. We will miss you, Ray. Someone who we got to know on this station, who obviously we heard a lot on games, but was a guest multiple times. We met him several times at a different A's functions and A's day and at the park. Uh, a gentleman, a good man, and I can, I'll never forget the Ray Fossey handshake because you'd lose your hand. It just got enveloped. He had big hands, strong, grown man strength, and you knew when he stepped down near the end of the season to take care of things, and we knew he was sick, but I thought, oh, boy. Ray wouldn't miss many baseball games, and um, man, that's just unfortunate. Definitely unfortunate. But um, we wish him, his family, uh, those in A's nation around him that uh, think so highly of him, us included, uh, the very best. But uh, wow, unfortunate news there. All right, no good segue here, but we'll just do it. Uh, let's get the uh, crossover uh, from the morning show. What's happening on the Carmichael Dave Show? Let's find out right now with the crossover. Do you Here's today's crossover. Jason Ross, as a New York Yankee fan, here you go again. Those dreaded Boston Red Sox in the ALCS with a legitimate shot to win the World Series. My question to you is of all your favorite teams, which of their rivals do you hate seeing win the most? Is it the Red Sox? Is it USC? Is it the Lakers? Let me know. USC and it's not even close. Not even close. Um, I don't like the Red Sox, but 
I'll be unfazed if they win. Um, I don't really like – I used to like the Lakers. That's the weird part. I grew up a Laker fan. That was the first team in L.A. that Magic Johnson's my all-time favorite player. Um, Why did you wink when you said that? (laughs) uh, Just I was a big, big fan of the Lakers. I actually do like LeBron, a big fan of him. But um, I don't. I don't want the Lakers to beat the Kings. I don't want the Lakers to win. Uh, it's USC, though. That's. I don't know if it's can be in your blood and your family. It's. It, and when they say this is the way I was raised, it's the way I was raised. Um, there are times when people say, "Oh, I, 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 I might get more satisfaction out of USC losing than I do UCLA winning." That's the way I would put it. I know that feeling. Yeah. So the perfect weekends are when both happens, like last weekend. Um, you but, guys need to get a song like uh, Manchester City does. Yeah? Yeah. How's that go? Or can you say it? Um, or should sure we not say it? It's, uh, uh, never felt more like seeing the Blues. City wins, United lose. Yeah. It's a good feeling. How about you? That's how you feel? Oh, yeah. I, I think I've told you. I would rather, like, just if, so, like, you know, the top, the bottom three go down, top three of the other league go up. Uh-huh. So... If that if Manchester City was seventeenth, like the worst you could do without getting relegated, but Manchester United was eighteenth and got relegated, that would be as great a season as when it would be better than City winning a trophy. Yeah, I think part of it too is like if UCLA a couple well several years ago they were actually really good way back in the early two thousands. Um, knowing that you play USC at the end, like there's still the fear, like you could have your dream season. Oh no. They're the ones that can ruin it. UCLA has done that more to USC than vice versa because UCLA hasn't been in that spot as much. But that's always – I think it's why it goes back to it's just rather them lose. But isn't that even like just as good as – oh, we stopped them. Oh, yeah. No, that's been great. That was one of my uh, favorite wins UCLA ever had over USC. I can't remember what year it was where USC was heavy favorite, likely going to go on to to one of those elite four games, uh, final four teams, and, and UCLA beat them on a, a team that was just like a four-win team coming in. So – um, that would be my answer, uh, certainly there. All right, that's it for us. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Thank you to Lincoln. Thank you to Chris Landry. We're back tomorrow. Kings and Lakers, final preseason game of the year. And, of course, Dodgers, Giants, game five, lots of that to cover. And the start of a new week of the NFL with Thursday Night Football. So a busy day tomorrow. Thanks so much for listening right here on Sports 1140 KHDK. See ya.